Welcome to the Easy Peasy Podcast, where we discuss living better through permaculture, mindfulness, decentralization, flow, freedom, agorism, anarchy, and more. Our mission is to solve life's complex problems with simple solutions. I'm your host, Mike the Polymath Whistler, coming from the Easy Peasy Shop in Indianapolis, Indiana, the crossroads of America. Thanks for joining. How's it going, y'all? Welcome to episode 30 of the Easy Peasy Podcast. Now, tonight I wanted to throw an idea at you. The idea is reflexive contrarianism. I heard these words put together not that long ago um, I'd never I'd never heard of reflexive contrarianism but I think it's a an apt description of the actions of many of us and I don't care sort of where you fall on any particular issue I think many people um, from all sides have have displayed this behavior, right? Myself included. Very much so. You know, I see something or I read something or I hear something and off, oftentimes I have a reflexive response that says, this is not okay. You know, it's very much a visceral response. It's a gut reaction. It's it's I'm not sure of all the details. I'm not sure why this is un- why this is not okay, but I know that it's not okay. You know that feeling, you know, we've all felt it a lot for various reasons. And I think when you hear those words, right? Reflexive contrarianism. You assume that it's a bad thing. You know, because it's sort of that quick judgment. And perhaps it can be a bad thing, but I believe that we are highly evolved and that this this reflexive contrarian feeling is very much a part of our survival instinct. And that while it may be misinformed at times or misunderstood or, you know, we, we might react uh, you know, viscerally to something only to find out later that perhaps we were, we were wrong. But oftentimes you might also find that you're right. You know, I, it makes me think of this example of the deer um, and how they have this reflex when when you're barreling down towards a deer in your car you know they have this ingrained reflex where they dart and they dart randomly they don't choose they they dart in the direction that i suppose feels right now this is a this is a very literal reflex this is a movement this is brought on by sort of a you know a stimulus in the environment but this idea of reflexive contrarianism i think in some ways is similar right except you're not darting at random you're you're sort of making a value judgment based on 
what you know and what you feel and what you believe. Which is why different people, you know, have different things that they find upsetting and different things that they are, you know, contrarians to. It's because we have different perspectives coming in and we might be seeing the same events unfold in front of us and we might go two radically different directions, right? It's not to say that one is inherently better than the other necessarily, you know, but if you can take a step back and you see like, you know, some people's reflex was to do one thing and some people's reflex was to do another. Now, I I bring this up because I think it's important that we understand why we behave in these ways, right? And I have been a an extreme contrarian on my social media and you know, even before this past couple of years, you know, I often found that I was kind of contrarian. You know, I never understood certain things that are just expected. And uh, I never I never wanted to just accept things as as they are, you know? It's like, why? I ask that question a lot. Why is it that way? Shouldn't it be another? You know, isn't there a better way? Now, like I said, I, you know, I try not to assume that my side or my opinion or my point of view is always perfect, right? I don't, I don't assume that. To me, I try to be pragmatic first. But on a day like today where you have the President of the United States you know, announcing this new mandate, you know, trying to push this, this jab on everybody. And again, I'm not trying to even, I'm not even discussing the, the positives or negatives of the jab. Although some people refuse to admit that there are in fact negatives, but to me, this is all it's 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 more important than this particular medication this is the this is the tone this is the principle that we're setting right this is the precedent and if they say you have to get this thing today what are they going to say you have to get tomorrow you know this is a very reasonable you know line of questioning and when does it end right Does it end after two, after three, after four, after 12? You know, guys, I just, I have had a reflexively contrarian stance to this, this coercive public health policy. You know, in general, I I didn't like, uh, I didn't like lockdown at a basic gut, you know, sort of instinctual level I said this is wrong and I and I talked about how wrong I thought it was you know same with these these pseudo you know mandates or um, you know it's not it's not to the point yet where it's like people are being held down and forcibly inoculated like as far as I know that's not going on but when you start threatening people's jobs and you know that is that is coercion at its core and it's so clear to me that some people's reflexive response their their idea of the way things should be given our situation is to say you must or else you know and that is i see that logic right we have to we have to get people to do this for the greater good by any means necessary right like there is some logic at play there but this is about ethics more than logic the ethics of how to handle a public health 
emergency, right? And whether or not the ends justify the means with these coercive policies. Now, I say that coercion is never okay. You know, those are my ethics. You know, I believe that the only justifiable use of force is in defense. Now, we can pick this apart because where do you draw the line? To me, that's for interhuman interaction, right? In our society, there has to be there has to be rules, right? I talk about how I'm an anarchist and you know, many people misunderstand that. It means no rulers not no rules, right? If a monarchy is one ruler, an anarchy is no rulers. It's not to say there's no governance, but there's a big difference between governance and government. Now, this idea of sort of our reflexive response, right? You know, we're all just trying to do our best. So I really, I really don't hold anybody's opinions against them too much and at least not like the common folk like everybody's just trying to make sense of this stuff and i i might vehemently disagree with certain ideas and certain opinions but but my qualm is not with my fellow citizen you know my qualm is with the people that are deciding these things for us they're you know the rulers the the ones that take away our choices you know, our choices, they, they make them for us. I, I have problems with that group of people, not with the person who voted for them. You know, I don't hold a grudge that way, but the people who are directly influencing the lives of those of us on the ground, you know, and they're doing it from above, right? Like, I don't like that. I don't believe in sort of anybody having the right to impose their will on another against their will. This is one of the core tenets of anarchy and libertarianism is the idea of voluntary exchange, right? Voluntarism, voluntarism. Some people say it one way, some say it the other, but the idea of voluntarism is that Nobody enters into an agreement or an exchange against their will. Period. End of story. If they if they are coerced or forced into this this interaction, it is immoral. It is invalid. It is a breaking of what should be the social contract. You know, the social contract should be one sentence long, as far as I'm concerned. And it, I just said it that nobody enters into any interaction without giving voluntary consent. It's pretty simple. That's a pretty simple social contract. You know, they talk about the social contract that we all live under. It's like, man, I don't even know where that piece of paper is. I doubt it's just one piece of paper, though. It's probably it's probably bigger than the goddamn dictionary, you know, because just, just being alive on this you know, at least let's just say in our country, in the United States, it automatically makes you sort of adhere to all of these sort of subjective rules, really. Like, people get their mind blown when you talk about how some parents choose to not get a birth certificate for their child. That's pretty freaking extreme, right? That's a little bit radical. Why wouldn't you want to get a birth certificate? Well, because once your kid has a birth certificate, they officially exist in the eyes of the of the government. And they're on the books. And that can never, ever, ever be undone. And sort of the idea is that if a child decides as they get to the right age, right? As they as they mature and when they turn 18, if they want to, they can go get the birth certificate. Now, I'm sure there's some gray area and there's some confusion and there's some 
you know, it's probably not like a clean process, but it happens. Like they, they, they're not going to deny you citizenship if you were born and raised in this country just because your parents didn't get you a birth certificate. This kind of thing is dealt with. But it gives that person the choice of whether or not they want to be sort of known as opposed to being anonymous, you know? You think back in human history and the vast, vast majority of people on this earth existed without any kind of sort of central deciding system that is beyond their immediate sort of group, right? Their tribe, that all the decision-making would have been made by people who you know personally up until very recent history, relatively speaking. And what that means is we are basically living in an anarchy for the majority of our biological history, right? And this this concept of sort of 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 central control of government it is it is new it is a new thing and i i don't mean to give you the wrong impression like before civilization when we were all hunter gatherer gardener you know groups right sort of making our way in the natural landscape it's not as if there was no coercion and there was no sort of force and you know there was definitely stuff going on like that especially when it came to competition between tribes but if you think about it i i have to imagine that when it comes to your your dealings within the community that you are a part of i almost guarantee that coercion and force really wouldn't have been tolerated, right? You know, I imagine that when when you're genuinely sort of living in the environment and your your survival depends on the cooperation of the group, I assume that sort of peace is a serious priority to, to be maintained, right? I don't think that people would be forcing each other to do things very often. I'm sure there was a lot of sort of collective conversation about decisions that needed to be made. Now, there may have been a leader who had the ultimate say-so, but I imagine that very rarely was that some some position that was completely isolated from the people. You know, I don't think that the leader of any typical American community, you know, pre-agricultural revolution, you know, I, I doubt that any of them sat in some fancy building making up the rules for everybody else to follow. I, I imagine that they were interconnected with the group and and socialized and you know probably had sort of typical roles as well as their leadership role you know this idea of like electing representatives to to go and you know make decisions on your behalf i think it's a bit too abstract i think there's a separation that occurs there and before you know it, you're looking at a at a multi-level sort of, you know, you have your ruling class and then you have the ruled. And this is what I'm, you know, fundamentally against. I do not believe that any person has any right to rule over any other person with the only exception perhaps being the parent-child relationship but any good parent knows that you cannot just rule with an iron fist if you want to raise a good productive intelligent you know child you have to yes at times you have to be firm you have to be a bit of a dictator but 
but that is something you should do sparingly, like as little as possible, right? If you want to have a healthy relationship with your kid, you know, it brings me to this idea about agreeableness. You know, Jordan Peterson talks about it a lot, and I think I had a misunderstanding sort of for a while about what he meant by agreeableness. You know, I always kind of imagined it was what people think of you, right? Are you an agreeable person? Are you are you likable, you know? But I think it's much more literal than that. The idea of being agreeable versus disagreeable, I think, has more to do with, you know, if you are posed with a with a question or a concern or something of that nature, are you more prone to agree with the consensus of the group? Or are you the type of person that's willing to say, like, hold up a minute, y'all. This is not correct. Like, something else needs to change. You know, the problem with groupthink so often is that you get 70% to the goal, or however you want to think of it. Let's say you see some some positive results, and with groupthink, it's like, oh, we've done our job. Like, good job, everybody. Without sort of that person that's willing to disagree and say, no, 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 this is not good enough yet. Let's keep let's keep improving. Like, you need that disagreeable attitude on you know at, at times that disagreeable personality. And I heard it kind of hypothesized. That, you know, I mean, Jordan Peterson, he talks about how this is one of the few personality traits that that has predictability based on gender, right? It has been shown that on average, men tend to be less agreeable and women tend to be more agreeable. And, you know, I, I believe this was on the most, you know, one of the more recent Joe Rogan podcasts, but they're talking about how, you know, that sounds on its surface like, sort of a symptom of sexism. But if you think about it a little bit deeper, you know, I think, and again, I'm not a psychologist, whatever, like take all this with a grain of salt. I, I dabble here and there, but this idea that sort of the biological reason for these, these personality sort of differences between your average man and your average woman. Now, obviously that's not to say that there aren't people all across the board, both genders, agreeable and disagreeable. But the, the, the idea was that, you know, generally sort of in, in our natural history, like, let's say that women were, were sort of in very tight knit social groups that, you know, with with the other women in the tribe. Some people are going to think I'm a sexist prick for saying all this, but I'm just trying to get it as close to what I what I believe to be the truth as possible. Now, I wasn't there. I don't know for sure, but the idea was that these, you know, agreeableness is sort of a a way of being in which you know, even if you disagree, maybe you hold it in and you bring it up later. And this is a very useful tactic in many situations. But then to be disagreeable is equally useful in, in, in other situations. Like the example that was used was, you know, if you're trying to fly a space shuttle to the moon, you don't want a bunch of agreeable people working on that problem. You want disagreeable people who will, who will, debate one another until they come up with the correct answer you know, that number is incorrect and here is why if you just agree you might miss the mark when the stakes are high right so there are reasons for these biological differences right now if you deny biology i'm sorry i just can't help you but there are distinct differences and again, I, you know, maybe this is something to do with this reflexive contrarianism. I am a fairly disagreeable person. I'm coming to find out. 
And I don't think that means that people don't like me or they don't want to hang out with me. It means it means I'm willing to disagree. Not that I will all the time. You know, you hear contrarian. You assume that means the person disagrees with everything, you know, no matter what. I I kind of joke that some people are pro-anti, right? They, they just want to be against anything and everything. And I sure hope that's not how I come across because I'm very pro. I'm pro-permaculture. I'm pro-people. I'm pro-nature. You know, I'm pro. I'm pro-family. I'm pro-friends. You know, it's like I am about people. I'm not against anybody, except the government. You understand? And and it gets a little gray when you have people that that you know will defend the government for them, right? People that will stand up against you despite the fact that they're really on your team. You know, it's you're you're you're, you're the citizenry. We you know, we shouldn't be you know, fighting each other. We should be fighting those who keep us keep us down. And you know, I've been kind of pondering this song. It's, it's a Johnny Cash song. Now, I won't even say that it's necessarily one of my all-time favorite Johnny Cash songs. It's actually, you know, it's it's a ways down the list. He's He's got a lot of good tracks, so it's hard to pick your favorites. But this one just seems to um, be pertinent today. And it's called, What is Truth? And, you know, he says, can you blame the voice of youth for asking what is truth? Because it's so, it's so muddied at times. There's so many different people, you know, different points of view, often in direct conflict with one another. You know, there are times where you say, well, if they both can't be correct, one of these two has to be a liar. And it's hard to know which. But I've found that if you've been watching carefully over the past year, the liars have made themselves known. That's why I'm so just pissed off about all this censorship. Because frankly, when they start censoring one opinion, they take away your choice. Even if the censor, even if the censors happen to be correct about a particular subject matter, even if something that they shut down is in fact wrong by by making that choice for you they force you either to to trust the censorship or they force you to believe the opposite i hope i'm making sense but it takes away the ability to make a reasoned decision when you start manipulating the information you create contrarianism because people instinctually in their gut know that they're being lied to and it's so insulting and if you get lied to over and over why would you believe anything these fuckers say right so it pisses me off because it's taken away the possibility of making an informed decision without any sort of coercion or manipulation. I just, I'm so astonished that, that people who, even if they are, say, on the left right now, that they aren't speaking out against this censorship as being a net negative. I don't understand how that's not more widely understood. I mean, it's a big topic, but it seems to be, it's it's becoming a right versus left issue. And it's like, that's fucking insane. 
That's fucking insane. To allow censorship to go on is to take away open discourse entirely. And and it's clearly forcing people into into camps, into tribes. And I don't want to see these tribes warring with each other. You know, it's pretty scary when a country of 350 million people get divided down the middle. I would much rather see us divide up into a, you know, a million little pods, right? 300 people apiece. That's reasonable. That's, you know, and guess what? There's a million different points of view, not just two. You know, this fucking guy who I can't even call a friend anymore, if I'm being honest. I almost blocked him because he's insulted me a few too many times. And, you know, he always says, well, if you don't want me to talk to you like an asshole, quit sounding like an asshole on your Instagram stories and stuff. And it's like, man, yeah, I'm a little bit contrarian. I'm a little bit like aggressive with my tone about certain issues because I'm emotionally like charged up by this shit because I see how dangerous it can be and I don't want things getting any worse but but when I post this stuff I am posting what I what I think what I feel and I'm not I'm not telling anybody that they have to go by what I say and they have to think the way I think because I don't believe that they need to <clears throat> excuse me I don't believe they need to I believe we can have varying opinions you know and this guy he's, you know he's just like he calls me an asshole and he constantly is just like belittling like libertarian thought and it's just like dude like he makes it sound like libertarians are a bunch of goddamn morons and children and it's like That's no way to start a conversation, first of all. And second of all, if that's true, why? You know, I, I tend to think the children are awfully demanding of each other. You know, if, if libertarians are children, if we're, if we're just completely batshit crazy, why do we keep telling everybody to just do what they want? You know, don't you think we'd be telling people what they should do? If we were if we were really that like dangerous, he seems to think that it's a dangerous idea, and that it leads to sort of um, you know super corporations getting you know ever more powerful. You know, it's just I think that's such flawed logic, because you know insisting on the recognition of personal sovereignty that you know your rights end where mine begin. You can't. You know, you can swing your fists all you want until it hits me in the jaw. Like, these are very reasonable, like, concepts. So you can believe anything you want to believe. And you know what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to, I'm not going to call you an asshole. Like, unless you're being an asshole to me directly. You know, I, I see a lot of shit I disagree with. But I don't, I don't message every single person that posts something I disagree with and try to belittle their intelligence and, and belittle their, their philosophy. Like I honestly think the best world would be achieved by some kind of balance between sort of liberalism and libertarianism. You know, there's, there's probably a balance there somewhere, but you'll never hear anybody on the left say that far as I can tell, you know, and I think it's because they've genuinely been brainwashed into thinking that like government is essential first and foremost, that, that we all benefit from being under government. That, like, those are the basic assumptions of liberalism. And I, I think they might be inherently flawed. So how do we have balance if everybody is expected to be one way? Like I said, or one of two ways. I say there's a million different ways to be, and I'm not going to stop you from being any one of them. 
so long as you don't stop me. You see? Like, does that make me an asshole? To say, leave me alone and I'll leave you alone? I don't think it does. So yeah, you know, I'm probably going to continue to be like a little bit reflexively contrarian. Because from what I see, you know, and what I saw in the last 24 hours, we need to defend ourselves. You know, authoritarianism is, goddamn, look through a history book. Like, authoritarian governments do not treat their people very well, historically. But they always claim that what they're doing is for the greater good. Now, how can that be? You can't treat your people poorly and claim that it's for the greater good. That's oxymoronic. So, what is the point of all this, right? What's, what am I going to change by talking into this microphone, by sharing my ideas, by, sh by posting on Instagram? What am I changing? I don't really know. But I know that I'm, I'm at least speaking my mind. And if things continue to get worse, despite what I want, at least I'll have the peace of mind and knowing that I tried. And I think really truthfully, like the main, 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 main purpose for me doing all this is because I genuinely want to find people with similar values, right? I don't want to live in a community of people that are all just like me. That's so often what people end up doing. They live around everybody who's just like them. I don't want that, but I do want shared values. And so how do you get that without, without telling people what your values are? How can you tell people what your values are if you're not even sure for yourself? So therefore, I, I, am, I am willing to be the contrarian and do so publicly because, because I know that there are people out there who feel you know, similar, who have similar instinctual feelings about what's happening and who, who don't appreciate being lied to and forced to do things and shamed and humiliated and picked on and cornered you know this is just this is a dangerous game we're playing here y'all we're pushing people around and i really don't think we should be i think joe biden if he had a sense of true like morality and and if you actually gave a shit about, like, creating unity, right? That's what that's what he was all about. We got to create unity. If he's serious about that shit, he needs to come out and just say, look, like, we got a little pushy there. Now, we're not going to force you. And we're not going to threaten you. But please, just, just if you would, please do. But we're going to leave you alone. Like, we don't want to stir the hornet's nest, right? I think he needs to sort of, like, humble himself in front of everyone. But maybe that's just me, you know? I mean, frankly, if somebody of power came out and said, look, we respect the opinion that, that, that things have gotten a little bit heavy-handed, shall we say, we respect the opinion that lockdown was problematic. We respect the fact that many people sacrificed many things this past two years. And we understand that many of you do not care to do that any longer. But we will ask you to continue to make sacrifices. And if you can bring it, if you can, you know, Bring yourself to do it, we would be grateful. That's the kind of tone that I think we would have benefited from. But that's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So you force people 
to either get in line or exist outside of the system. And that's not exactly a fair decision. Because I don't like standing in line, but I, I don't want to have to go dark either. Hey, Doc, you're all right. But you know, guys, literally I was driving around today. I mean, I, I had some work to do and had a really had a really big week, worked really hard, you know, made some good money, but you know, I had a bit of a drive today to get to where I was going and and where I was going was a place where I feel very safe and very loved and very, you know, valuable and valued. And I feel that I have shared values with the people who I was working with. And I was very, very much looking forward to getting down there today and just having a little peace. You know, doing some work in the beautiful weather and you know, on a beautiful piece of property. And, and on the drive down, I was just thinking, you know, if I needed to go dark, I think I know where I'm heading. You know, if... if blue helmets start knocking on doors and forcing needles into your into your arm I'm packing my shit up and I'm 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 I have I have options I got a few different places to go so I don't have to be a burden on any one person for too long but I think I could pretty much leave the cell phone in the city pack up the gear and disappear I really don't want to have to do that. That's like that's like something I enjoy doing occasionally as a reset, you know, but not because I feel threatened or not because I feel in jeopardy. You know, the day that I have to do that, I sure will be grateful for all of my experiences and all my equipment and the fact that I can live comfortably out of the back of my truck for essentially an indefinite amount of time because I know where to go for food and I know who to go to and I know where to forage and where to hunt. Now, it's not to say I, you know, it'd be easy or anything like that. It'd probably be incredibly difficult, but I'm pretty sure I wouldn't starve to death if I, if I say, left my cell phone behind and didn't want to be tracked. But it's crazy you know, if I had heard myself saying all this two years ago in the tone that I'm saying it in right now, I mean, you look back and it's like we used to like joke around and like fantasize about, you know, zombie apocalypse and like, you know, your bug out and your, you know, rally point and what friends are going to meet up and where you're going to get your equipment and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's all just like fantasy. It's just fun and games. And we'd watched a lot of freaking zombie movies right now we're like kind of half serious not even half serious we're fucking serious you know i i was listening to i almost don't even want to say it because some of you are going to think this is insane but i was listening to some folks sort of in the survival space in the agorism space and you know people that are very concerned about the potential for sort of communications being restricted or um, possibly just you know the crumbling of, of the communications grid one way or another and you know if we lose communications you know there's a lot of people who who are ham radio operators and that's a very sort of niche skill but if the day ever ever comes like that will be the the, the network and beyond that like if it's say, you know, they're, they're basically talking about what if it's a complete grid down scenario, total societal collapse, which you might scoff at and say, never is that going to happen. Well, <laughs> I hope you're fucking right. But they're talking about in the event of a total collapse scenario. And there's just not even any internet or there, I'm sorry, there's not even any, any uh, electricity to run the radios, right? Say, uh, you know, solar flare, what have you. They're like, do you think we could go back to carrier pigeons? You know, the, the, it was kind of just this open conversation, kind of like brainstorming. And, and then they fleshed out that idea. And it's like, 
Well, you know, maybe, like maybe that would be a useful skill to develop. Um, it's not exactly practical to do, but it's kind of like it's good to know that that's possible. And if the need ever arose, that's when you would figure that problem out. But it's like these basic concerns about communication and I don't know if we're all being overdramatic in this sphere, in this survival sphere, but it is very frightening to think that that clearly it is within the realm of possibility that a person who does not have their proof of vaccination might be outright denied access to goods and services, right? That is the direction that we are looking at going in. And if you're not familiar with a little book called Revelations in the Bible, you know, they talk about, or rather it talks about the mark of the beast, right? And I, I've heard people kind of discuss this around the shot and stuff. And it's like, I don't like taking things so literally. I don't believe that we are living in this prophecy, but it's an interesting concept that thousands of years ago, somebody wrote down in a book that, that someday in the future, there would be a mark that if you did not have the mark, you would be, you know, you would be blocked from participating in any, you know, I think it was the way they said it, it's like, Without the mark, you can neither buy nor sell, right? Does that sound a little bit familiar? Or potential? I mean, come on, right? Like, that is a little frightening that we're actually discussing that. So yeah, it might be a thing where, you know, I'm not in the future allowed into the grocery store or maybe allowed on the internet you know who's to say where they stop how many how many rights do they take away before we say enough and you know what y'all i think i'll leave it there it's been a bit of a long one for a solo show so I hope it wasn't boring. I hope it wasn't like beating a dead horse. I hope I'm not just repeating things that everybody else is saying. But what I tend to think I'm good at is absorbing information, digesting it, and giving it back in a sort of organized and coherent way. At least I hope I'm good at that. You know, I'm never going to be the guy that's quoting a bunch of stats or pointing you towards a bunch of articles. Like, that's not really how I want to be. You know, that's not my, that's not my MO. What I do is I watch, I listen, I observe, I interact, and I, I try to, I try to come at things with a designer's perspective, a, a permaculture perspective where I'm always sort of sifting things into useful categories and I'm never going to be the most well-read on any given subject you know I call myself a polymath because I have I have fairly extensive knowledge on various subjects but but I'm not a true master of anything, right? Jack of all trades, master of none. So, you know, take everything I say with a grain of salt because I am just processing this world through my brain. And you've got your brain. And I'm not going to claim that I am the end-all, be-all authority. You know, that's what, that's what Dr. Fauci tried to claim. Speaking of liars, right? He said to disagree with Anthony Fauci is to disagree with science. Have you ever heard a more arrogant 
motherfucker. That's like, I guess you probably have maybe if you've been in like the church much. You know, not all churches are this way, but many sort of church leaders will say, if, you know, to disagree with me is to disagree with God. That's what Fauci is trying to pull. It's bullshit, man. Nobody's above being disagreed with. You know? So, yeah, just understand that I'm just some guy making my way through this world, right? And I don't know it all. Hell, I don't even know the half of it. But neither do you. Neither does Fauci. Neither does Biden. Neither neither does Tucker Carlson or, you know, Glenn Beck or fucking Joe Rogan or any of these people. None of us know the half of it. We're all just figuring it out. So take every bit with a grain of salt. And assume that if somebody's lying to you over and over, just, you know, in general, good rule of thumb, don't listen to them. Seems obvious, but I guess not. Not always. Okay, y'all. It's <laughs> enough rambling for now. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to y'all soon. This has been Mike the Polymath with the Easy Peasy Podcast. Come back again.